You are now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. This week we are continuing our series, Ephesians, A Note of Encouragement, with the sermon, A Prayer for Power, from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let's listen in. Amen. We'll never know how deep His love is for us until we see Him face to face and experience it in person. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. And I pray that you would help us to appropriate the power in it by your spirit. So Lord, would you use me, open our minds, our ears, our hearts, and help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as I was walking around before the service, somebody was already yawning. I won't call a name. The light is a little dim in here this morning, rainy. So hang in there with me. I may see more yawning. I said, I haven't even started yet. You're already yawning. So have you ever started to do something and you got interrupted and you had to come back later? And finish what you started. Have you ever forgot what you started to do in the first place? I'm finding that to be more common. Last week we looked at the first section of Ephesians 3. And Paul started a thought. And he was interrupted by another thought. And it's not until verse 14 that he comes back to his original thought. Which is a prayer for the church. And in my study of this passage this week, I found a compilation of all of Paul's prayers. And uh, everything that he wrote that mentions prayer, prayer requests, prayer reports, exhortations to pray, and actual prayers, something like 41 uh, such instances in, in the scripture, only a few of those deal with physical things. And those had to do with Paul going somewhere physically. Now think about how we pray. Most of our prayers are totally on the physical aspect, but Paul didn't pray that way. What's noticeably missing from Paul are prayers for physical things like health, food, clothing, shelter, money, comfort, a safe and easy life. Aren't those the things that we pray most about? Not only for ourselves, but for each other. So Paul is most concerned with the spiritual needs of people. He prayed for salvation. He prayed that they would hear the gospel. He prayed for living in hope, in peace, in unity. He prayed for insight into God's love for us. And our love for one another and on and on spiritual things. And as we're learning in our study on Sunday night, both physical and spiritual needs are important. We have both of them. And we should pray about all things. Scripture teaches us that. But Paul evidently believed that if you get the spiritual part of life right, then you can deal with the physical part. So if you get the spiritual part right, You can deal with whatever comes 
in this physical life. Well, we're going to take a look at one of these prayers here in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And he starts out, for this reason, that links back to the subject of chapter 2. And that is that God made one humanity. He made the church when Jews and Gentiles were reconciled not only to God, but to one another through faith in Jesus Christ. God created one humanity, the church, when he reconciled Jews and Gentiles to one another and to God. So Paul prays for these Ephesian believers, but he's also praying for us. He's praying for all believers who make up the church. Now, in Ephesians, there are two prayers of Paul. The first one is in Ephesians 1. And there, Paul prays for the Ephesians to know God better and that they would know the hope and the glorious inheritance to which God had called them. So he wants them to know. He wants them to have an intellectual knowledge of who God is and to the hope that he had called them. The second prayer is this one here in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. And here Paul prays that the Ephesians will actually experience what they know. He wants them to experience everything that they know about God. But in order for their knowledge to become experiential, they need help from a power beyond themselves. And you know what? We do too. And that help comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, it's one thing to know something, but knowing is only made complete by experiencing what you know. You know what I'm talking about? We can know something, but it's not completely knowing until we experience what we know. Jonathan Edwards was an 18th century preacher in New England, and he used a simple illustration about honey to make this point. He said, you can know that honey is sweet by reading about it. You can read about how sweet honey is, and you can hear what people say about their experience with honey. So you know that honey is sweet by reading and by listening to what other people say, but you don't really know that honey is sweet until you do what? You taste it for yourself. You experience the sweetness when you taste it on your tongue and then you really know that honey is sweet because you have experienced its sweetness so the Christian life then is full only when one knows and experiences <coughs> life in Jesus Christ you know it you know about it from what you read, from what you hear other people say, but then you experience that life by living life in Jesus Christ. So knowing the truth with our mind and experiencing that truth in daily life. So those two things become one, one life in the spirit. That is the Christian life. That is when your knowledge becomes full and complete, when you experience it. So it's through the Holy Spirit that that happens, that we know God and we experience him in fullness. And that's what Paul is praying for here. Power from the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul is praying, and he's basically asking for one thing, for power. Power from the Holy Spirit. But there are two parts to the prayer. Two parts to that prayer for power. First of all, he says, or he prays for power that would strengthen their inner being. Look in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then we see the reason the power is needed in verse 17. So that, that's the purpose, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, you could say, wait a minute. Paul is praying or he's writing to believers. And doesn't a believer receive Christ indwelling their lives the moment they respond in faith? Uh, so why is Paul praying for something the believers already have? Well, the word dwell there means to make oneself at home. So the idea is that a believer would live in such a way that Christ would feel at home in their inner being, in their soul. So that Jesus Christ is at home in our inner being. That Jesus would have free access to every area of our life. So we don't hold one room that we just keep for ourselves. But Jesus is at home in every area of our life, every aspect of our life and that simply means that Jesus Christ increasingly influences every attitude and every action of everyday life that's what it means he increasingly it's not going to happen automatically it's not going to happen just in one day but over a lifetime of living for Christ he increasingly influences everything we think in everything that we do. So if Christ is dwelling in our inner being, then our outer being will be affected in every way. What's inside will be made evident on the outside by the way we live. It's called the fruits of the Spirit. If it's in you, if He is in you, and He's growing in you, then there will be evidence of His Spirit in us. It's the difference between a Christmas tree and a fruit tree. We talked about this on Wednesday, uh, Sunday night. A Christmas tree is adorned, but it's all external. There's nothing that comes from inside, but a fruit tree is adorned with its own fruit, with blooms first, and then fruit, but it comes from inside. It comes inside out. And that's what the Christian life is with the Spirit in us, with Christ in us. He influences us. So the evidence becomes seen to the people around us. And the only way to live such a life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, otherwise, if I don't do that in His power, I'm going to live in my own power. It's going to be my strength. And the evidence of that will be my self-absorbed attitudes and actions. It's all going to be about me. But if His Spirit is in me, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about Him. We're living for His glory. So the first part of Paul's prayer is that he is asking that the Holy Spirit will strengthen their inner being. 
the inner being of believers, that part of us, who we really are, that's where our decisions are made. It's the control center of our soul. And if we're in control of that, it's going to look like the world. But if His Spirit is in control of that, we're going to look more and more and more like Jesus. So that's the first thing he prays for, the power to strengthen their inner being. The second part is that he prays for power that would help them grasp the vastness of Christ's love. Look in the end of verse 17. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And then the reason that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you imagine to be filled with all the measure of the fullness of God? It's amazing just to think about that. So God is already in them, in and us, through Jesus. And they need to experience what they have. He's in them, but they need to experience His presence with them. It's the difference in knowledge and experience. I know honey is sweet by what I hear, but I really know honey is sweet by tasting it, by experiencing it. Now, I know about Christ's love by reading the Bible, by hearing sermons, by hearing testimonies of people, but I only experience His love as the Holy Spirit reveals it to me through the circumstances of my life. That's how I really know the vastness of Christ's love. It comes by trusting Jesus. And the more we know about Christ, the more we experience Him in daily life, the more amazed we will be at His love. That's how that works. And this awareness comes as a result of the power helping us to see His love in us. In other words, Paul's prayer is that the indwelling presence of Jesus will deepen the believer's experience of His love and of our life as well. That we not only know, but that we also experience how wide, how high, how deep, how long the love of Christ is. In other words, there is nothing more vast than the love of Christ. Nothing. And the only way we can imagine that is by the help of the Holy Spirit. And that comes as we exercise trusting Him. So see, if my only focus is on what God can do to meet my physical needs, then I'm not thinking about what He has done and is doing to meet my greater spiritual need. And that is to make me like Jesus and to prepare me for heaven. If I'm only focused on my, my physical need, then I can't see what He's doing to meet my spiritual need. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to show us and to help us to see so the fact that Paul is praying for this means that we can't strengthen our own inner being and we can't grasp 
the vastness of Christ's love without the help of His Holy Spirit. That's why Paul is praying for it. So those are the two parts of the prayer that he's asking for power for their lives. How do we get this power? I think there are some things that you and I need to do before God activates this power in our lives. It's kind of like having a box of batteries. I have this box of batteries, but I don't have any of the power here. I have this box of batteries, but the only way that I'm going to realize the power that is in this box is to open it up and take these batteries and put them in devices that need power. And so as I activate the power of these batteries, then I experience what this box of batteries can do. Just by itself, they do nothing except hold down a piece of paper maybe. But when I put them to work, when I activate them, then I can experience the power that is within that box of batteries. So what do we do to activate the power that is in us? Well, I think uh, there are three things here that he tells us. Be serious about prayer is one. In your own life, be serious about prayer. Verse 14, he says, I kneel before the Father. Standing was the common position for prayer in Paul's day. But he's so serious about this that he is kneeling in prayer. Now, the point is, it's not a physical position of prayer, but it's an inner spiritual position of prayer. How serious are you about prayer? The more serious we get, the more uh, simple our prayers become. God, help me. But that's kneeling in prayer. So be serious about prayer. Someone said that prayer is the clutch that engages the power of God. It is. It's the clutch that engages the power of God. It's what takes these batteries and puts them into devices and utilizes the power of the batteries. Prayer is also how you and I receive the power that enables us to act like Jesus in a world that opposes His ways. You ever thought about that? Prayer does that. It enables us to act like Jesus in front of people in a world that opposes the ways of Jesus. God knows how serious you are about your relationship with Him by the way you pray. Be serious about prayer. The second way to get this is to be serious about God's Word. Verse 17, it says, rooted and established in love. Now, there is no point in expecting to grow spiritually if you are not using His Word as a guide for your life. There's no point to expect to grow spiritually apart from God's Word. Not only hearing it, but doing it. See, Jesus, he won't reveal more of himself to us if we persist in worldly and sinful thoughts and actions. Why would he? Why would he give us more of himself when we're, we're not utilizing what he's already given us? So be serious about God's word. And then a, a third thing about how to activate this power is to be serious about his community. As his church, verse 17, together 
with all the Lord's holy people. Together. It's community. It's his church. By the way, if you ever give up on the church, then you give up on the ways of God. You give up on the bride of Christ. Don't give up on his church. Be serious about his community. How do you fully experience the love of Christ? Only through his church. It's only through his community that we together fully experience the love of Christ. And here's why. I know that God will hold me fast in tough times. I know that. His word tells me that. But I don't know that he will hold me when a child dies. Because I've never had a child to die. But some of you have. I know that he will hold me in troubled times like when a spouse dies, when my wife dies, or when your husband dies. I know that because of what God's word says and what I hear you say, but I don't know that. I've never experienced it. See, it's only when we come together and we pull our experiences that we begin, just begin to have a concept of how vast Christ's love is. Because we each bring a unique perspective of, about how Jesus works in our own life. And it's only when we put those perspectives together that we can see how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It's in community. So be serious about embracing Christ's church. Because the purpose of the church is to have a people who truly love God and each other for his glory forever. That's the purpose of it. Not to make you happy, but it's to glorify God by loving him and loving each other now and forevermore. See, God gives us what we desire most. He gives us what we desire most. So if we want to be independent of God, he will give us that. So prove your desire of him by putting his power to use in your daily life. Take the batteries out of the box and put them into the device of your soul. You put his power to use in your own life. And as we begin to make room for him in that way, his spirit helps us to make more room for him. You make more room, he helps you to make more room. And it's an ongoing process. So take the next step in faith. Take it. You ever watched an eagle when he takes off from the ground from a low perch? He flaps his wings like crazy. Or any kind of bird. A big bird, particularly, you see it. Taking off from the ground, they just flap like crazy. But an eagle knows how to find the warm thermal updrafts in the air. Warm air rises so they can find that and they, they're just lift it up and they soar with a fraction of the energy that they use when they're taking off. A, a fraction of the energy. Don't you want to soar in your spiritual life? This is how it happens. You learn to trust the thermal updrafts of God's Holy Spirit in your life. And you're not flapping. You're soaring. 
above all the troubles of life. Oh, eventually you'll have to come back down and you do it again. But you find it easier and easier to soar in the Spirit of God that is in you. That's what His Holy Spirit enables you to do is to soar in the Christian life. So do you want that? Pray for it. Seek it in God's Word. Seek it in God's community. And why would He not grant that prayer? Because that prayer brings Him glory. Brings honor to Him. And then Paul gives that very famous, well-known benediction, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory. In the church, there's community again, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whatever we imagine God could do in us is far short of what he wants to do and will do. It says here we can't even imagine what he wants to do. Are you trusting him to do it? And why would God work to strengthen our inner being like Paul is praying for? Why? So that he will be glorified in his church. Right now, today as you leave this place and even before you leave this place and forever and ever, it never ends bringing glory to our God. That's why we worship Him. Let's pray. Father, this is Your Word. We believe it. Now, even though we know it, help us to experience it by trusting you. Lord, would you strengthen our inner being? Would you help us to experience your love in every circumstance that you take us through? And so, Lord, we pray that the lives that we live would bring honor and glory to your great name. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and if you would like for Christ to be more at home in every part of your being, we would love to talk with you about that. You can find our contact information in the show notes down below or on our website at fbcamericas.org. And tune in next week for a special testimony from one of our ladies.